I don't know how many of you have ever done leadership training in the course of your uh, professional development in ministry. There's a lot of stuff we learn about leadership. And honestly, if you ever go to any ministry conference, you see a whole bunch of it about uh, leadership. I think they're probably a little overweight on the leadership stuff, but some of it can be useful. And one of the things you learn in leadership training is the difference between being people-oriented and being results-oriented. People-oriented leadership is primarily concerned with the happiness of the people you lead and how they feel. It can be good in that the workers feel appreciated and fulfilled. If they're happy, if morale is high, you're doing good. But if you go too far that way, the people are happy, nothing gets done, and then they are mad when they're all laid off. Or maybe you're going to be a results-oriented leader where you are primarily concerned with actual results, deadlines, budgets, and so on. You've got metrics you need to hit, and that's what you want your people to do. And that can be good because the business is healthy, the numbers are good, you can measure things, and that's always happy. But if you go too far that way, you hit the numbers, you burn out your people, and then you stop seeing results. So they tell you, you kind of have to have a little bit of a mix there. You need to be people-focused while still being results-oriented. And in church, we can become very, or, very concerned about people, and that's necessary. Every church is made up of people. If you quit caring about the people, you quit caring about the church. But we can forget that God wants to see some results out of us. That it's not just a matter of getting together and everybody being happy. That God wants to see us develop a harvest. Now Jesus tells a parable about a fig tree that's not being productive. It's not a very long parable. It kind of comes and goes pretty quick. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This parable comes right on the heels of Jesus speaking about some, his, some really horrific events. He talked about Pontius Pilate being particularly brutal to the Jews. He talked about a tower collapsing. And he brings those up to illustrate a point. The point he was making is that bad things don't necessarily happen because we're bad. It kind of has some echoes of Job there where, well, Job, bad things happen. Why why don't you repent? You must have done bad things. Well, sometimes bad stuff just happens. You've seen the insurance commercials. (laughs) But if something can happen at any time... Now Jesus starts changing topics. He's pointing out, if something can happen at any time, if bad stuff can just happen and things can occur, we need to be ready at any time. But sometimes we're just not ready. You ever seen the bumper sticker, Jesus is coming, look busy? It's funny, yeah, we laugh at it. But it reflects a very common human attitude. Crunch time is coming. We can slack off for a while. But eventually, we're going to have to work frantically. Mom's coming. Clean the house. 
Deadlines are coming up. You know, the papers do. The finals are coming up. Time to pull an all-nighter. The big bosses are coming in. We have to make sure the business is in proper shape. And we may not work real hard sometimes, but every now and then it's time to put in the hours because we haven't been ready. And Jesus even tells parables about being prepared, where he talks about wedding attendants without sufficient supplies. And he says, you know, we better be ready. And sometimes we're just not ready. Right now, people are probably realizing they're not ready. We're in tax time. Any of you finish them yet? No. First service had a bunch of slackers, too. I finally got mine sent in. I had to wait because the forms weren't ready. How bad is it to have tax season and the IRS isn't ready? I mean, it's the government. We half expect it, but still. But, I mean, there's a lot of work to get ready for taxes, isn't it? We have to collect all the paperwork, get things straightened out, make sure you have all the 1099s. And if you have good filing and bookkeeping practices, it can make it a lot easier than if you just wait until February to start putting it all together. Then you have to scramble. Or some of you, April. Or you file for the extension, October. I see you back there, Cheryl. It's one thing to not quite be prepared for work or school. It's quite another to not be prepared for the king of all creation. But what does it mean to be unprepared here? We have a parable about a fig tree that's not producing figs. Now, most of us probably don't have fig trees. We're more familiar with uh, uh, the fig product known as the Newton. I mean, the Europeans like it so much, it's a measure of force over there. I mean, you know, instead of pound feed, it's 300 Fig Newtons or something. I, who knows with Europe? <sighs> but we know fruit trees. And if it's your goal to get fruit, an unproductive tree isn't going to be tolerated. Okay? may not have a fig tree. Maybe you have an apple tree. If you want nice apples and you go out there and there's nothing, okay, you're going to understand the frustration here. But we know this parable isn't about botany. Jesus wasn't a gardener, even, even though you know, his society was really agricultural. He'd have known about this, but he's not talking about work. We know he's talking about us. That this is a story that is told to teach us about how we ought to be as we serve God. And the very last sentence he said before this parable, if you want to understand a parable, you've got to understand what comes before it. You've got to understand how Jesus got to the parable. He didn't just walk around dropping parables. As he taught, he would lead up to them. Or something would happen, and then he'd tell the parable. And if you understand how he got there, it makes it a lot easier to understand the parable. You've heard me say before, if you, sometimes these parables, they can be difficult. The easy way to understand is start backing up. And back up until you get enough of it where it makes sense. Jesus' very last sentence before this parable Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He goes from speaking then about repentance and righteousness to speaking about fruitfulness. 
He has talked about disasters and said, this stuff, bad stuff can happen anytime. So repent and be righteous. Do what God wants you to do. And then he says, there's this fig tree. He's talking about how God wants a harvest and God wants a harvest from us. One of repentance of sin and righteous actions. Jesus is warning us about being unproductive here, about how we claim to follow him, but we hold back, how we bear his name, but we don't imitate his actions, how we cling to sin instead of turning from it. It's all too easy to be unproductive. You ever sat in your cube on a long Tuesday afternoon playing Minesweeper instead of sending the memo? You understand. We think we have plenty of time. Oh, that's something we'll worry about in a few years. I'm not going to worry about this right now. I'm young. I'm still in school. I'm going to worry about this and worry about following God when I graduate and get a job and start doing that. Or I'll worry about this. You know, once I get the kids a little older, they're a lot of work right now and I've just got so much to do. Or I'll, wait, I'll worry about this when I'm retired and I get my days back. Next thing you know, you never have and you never will. We think, I'll get things right in time, but there may not even be time. You see, we have no idea how much time remains. You know, we all are planning for retirement. Thinking, okay, I'm so old, and if I, you know, I know what the life expectancy is, I got maybe another 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, or more. Well, do you? I've reached the age where I see people my age just start dying. A lot of you know what that's like. The clock's running down. We don't know when it's going to hit zero. We, don't, we have no idea even when Jesus is going to return. Now, some years ago on the internet, there was this thing called the evil overlord list. I think it's still out there. If you Google it, you'll find it. Not right now. It's a list of things that, you know, guys who've been watching movies, Bond movies, that sort of thing, who's watching this and started coming up with a list of, when I become an evil overlord, here's the things I'm going to do. Stuff like, you know, my guards will all have tailored uniforms, so if a hero knocks one of them out and tries to infiltrate wearing his uniform, he will be identified because of the poor fit. <laughs> you, know, you know that type of thing. Another one that I also really liked is my doomsday device will not have a countdown clock to detonation on it. But if it must have a countdown clock, it will be set to detonate not when it reaches zero, but at some odd time like seven minutes and 42 seconds. You've seen those, haven't you? Any of you like Bond movies, Goldfinger, you know, the bomb's counting down and he starts trying to mess with it and somebody finally turns it off and how many seconds are left on that one? Zero, zero, seven. That is a Bond movie after all. The, the Roger Moore ones were a little silly. Which even speaking for Bond movies is quite the thing. But we've seen those, you know. It's counting down. Oh, we have five minutes left. Do you? 
We don't know. We think we've got time that we're going to get ready, but maybe we don't. We've got a problem. We may not be ready. And each of us knows the places where we may be unproductive. I don't have to sit here and psychoanalyze each one of you. That's a job for you. For you to look inside. We, each of us, know, each one of us knows where we need to repent. Each one of us has a problem. Because each one of us probably has those pet sins we hang on to. Yeah, we got a problem. We know who the fig tree is. It's us. But there is a solution. In this parable, the fig tree is in danger. It has not produced fruit in three years. Now, I understand. I was reading and said, it's not unusual for a fig tree to not have a crop in any given year. You know, you may have one year's where you're buying your figs at the store. The figgy pudding is store-bought. But three in a row is a bad sign. You got a fig tree, it's had nothing for three years. You're heading to your local steel dealer. And here we have the owner of the orchard. He wants to cut it down. It's useless. It's taking up valuable space. And the groundkeeper speaks up. He says, give it another year. Give it another year. Let me tend to this tree. I'm going to dig around it, give it a little space for the roots, make sure it gets water, put a little manure around it, and there's probably some symbolism there, and I'm not going to get into that. But he's going to do everything he can do so this tree becomes productive. And he says, if in another year there's still nothing, then we'll cut it down. We know God wants something from us. Yes, he wants our love, he wants our worship, but he also desires that we bear fruit. That we serve him, that we flourish as we become more like him. Now I will say, you know, as we do this, a lot of times when we talk in Christian circles about bearing fruit, we talk about bringing other people to Jesus. That's not what this parable is talking about. Now, Don't hear me wrong, evangelism is important. We want others to come to Christ. We want others to be forgiven, to look forward to eternal life. We want that. Jesus wants us to want that. But the context, it's not about drawing others to Jesus. Yeah, we need to work on that. But here, this is more about becoming like Christ ourselves than in drawing others to him. Because that's just what he had been talking about. This is about bearing fruit of righteousness. That's what we are continually told to bring forth. And we, also, we talk about Paul and, and the fruit of the Spirit that he names. And even there, it's not quite an exhaustive list, but we get the idea that our fleshly, our sinful tendencies should be replaced by characteristics that mirror our God. That those places where we know already we don't measure up, bit by bit, they're pushed to the side, they're taken apart, they're thrown into the incinerator, and it is replaced by godly characteristics. Friends, and God's given us time. Remember, God's a merciful God. 
He doesn't demand that we get it right immediately. It's not that we come to Christ and the next morning, suddenly, poof, we've become fully like Christ. Ebenezer Scrooge is awakened and he now loves Christmas. Not quite. Paul, when he was preaching in Athens, he said, God commands all men everywhere to repent. And he says he's been giving them time. That's why he's relenting. That's why judgment is not immediate. Sometimes people who scoff at the notion of Christianity, at at the idea of a good God, they'll say, well, if your God is so good, why doesn't he stop all the bad stuff? Why doesn't he judge immediately? Why does he let it go on? The answer is because we would scarcely get out of bed in the morning without being smited. How far into our day do you think we'd get? Most, some of you might even make it on the drive to work. You probably won't make it all the way in. If the moment we get out of line, smack. Friends, that's God's mercy at work. He gives us time to work on it. Now, we have no idea how much time remains. We don't know. But we know Jesus is returning. We ourselves are not immortal. When's Jesus going to come back? Couldn't tell you. I've never written a book on it. Maybe I should. Those guys seem to make a lot of money. But every one of them has been wrong. Is Jesus coming back in a thousand years? I don't know. Is he coming back today? Could be. Don't know. Are we going to be alive when it happens? Couldn't tell you. You can eat right, exercise, be the picture of health, and get hit by a bus. Which would actually be an accomplishment in St. Charles County. We don't have many buses here. Our clock is ticking. Are we working on it? Are we trying to become productive? We may have been unproductive for God, but in His mercy, He offers us forgiveness. He gives us time to change. This is an open-ended parable. A few of them are. The story doesn't end. We don't know what happened to the fig tree. This is how you know Hollywood didn't write the Bible. They would have had like a five-part cinematic fig tree universe. I mean, they would, it would have been all sorts of things. But no, Jesus just ends, do, and the people are wondering, what happened to the fig tree? Did it remain unproductive? Did it bear fruit? The next year, did the owner go out and pick a fig off and find it sweet tasting, or was there the sound of axes? We don't know. Did it remain unproductive? Did it bear fruit? Well, will it? 
I think Jesus left this unfinished because we know who the fig tree is. Because the choice is ultimately up to us. That in this parable, there's the unspoken command that we get to bring forth fruit of righteousness. That God's given us time to do it. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That kind of fruit. We know where we're lacking. But the good news is the Holy Spirit is living in us. When we come to Christ, His The the spirit of the living God takes up residence within us. And that spirit wants to produce this fruit and will if we yield to his working. The amazing thing is this is not something we are left on our own to do. We get help, not just any help, divine help. Not self-help. The help of God living in us. And I tell you, If you're having problems bearing fruit, spend time in the Word every day. Read a little bit about it. Read a little bit of it. Pray. You start doing that, and you're going to notice some sprouts. You're not hardly going to be able to stop. And you're going to be able to look back and see, man, over the last year, five years, ten years, I've changed. It's not that those temptations have gone away. They may still be there in the background. You're just not giving in near as much. Friends, our God wants results. He wants fruit. He's giving us what we need to produce them. What we bring is the willingness. To say, God, I want you to have your harvest from me, and I'm going to let you do it. Yes, God cares about us as people. We are his children, but he wants to bring forth results. True fulfillment within us comes as we become more like him. It doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from digging in. It doesn't come from saying, well, this is how I've always been an unproductive fig tree. That's just how I'm going to be. No, it comes from saying, Lord, have your way in me. We have his word, we have his spirit, we have his mercy. We should have his characteristics. And he'll have it. We're willing to let him. Stand with me, let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you do for us. We praise you. For God, you have indeed given us what we need. Lord, help us to yield Soften our hearts that you can have your harvest from us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.